Hello and welcome back to Keep Calm and Carry On. We are well into season two now and what a lineup of guests we've already had. So how's your week been? How was your Halloween? I was hanging out at uh, Proud, actually performing on a stage, which was absolutely joyous. However, it was my last one for a while because I believe (laughs) we're all being shut down again. But... Where there's a will, there's a way. Lots of people are going to go online and keep you entertained. So watch out for all the live streams and support the arts wherever you can because uh, we definitely need your help. So on the back of the Olivier Awards and a show that did extremely well, I'm talking about And Juliet. This guy has done everything from music to acting to producing And I promise you, his story is incredible. He was starring in Anne Juliet and is obviously now in lockdown, but we did this chat about a month ago um, and it's a lot of fun. Please welcome Aaron Blair Mangat. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. I mean, there's there's lots I want to chat to you about, um, but... First of all, I did, you know, thanks for giving up your time and being here. And it's interesting, you're the first person that's come on come on my show that I haven't actually worked with or had, ah. a, you know, a performance with. And you're the first person, so you're yes. nice and shiny and new. <laughs> Not to say it. that that won't happen. Hopefully that will happen after lockdown and we'll, we'll be able to perform together. I but. would love for our paths to cross. That would be an honour. It would be great. So how are you? How's things? How's lockdown? Lockdown has been turbulent, but actually, I guess it's been consistent in the turbulence, if that makes any sense. Mm. Like, because it's changed from a day-to-day basis, I try and really navigate one day at a time. It's been all right. How about yourself? How are you doing? Similar. You know, I think I think exactly that. You know, we, it's such a strange thing for our industry to to have been completely shut off and yeah. for us to actually have the time where you're not looking for the next thing mm-hmm. and to have been kind of given that opportunity to stop has actually been really interesting oh, kind of good for me in a way but yeah. you know well, I'm ready to get back out there well but you know I'm, I'm ready to get out there you know it's been a, it's it's actually highlighted for me how important it is for me to be creative and to be mm-hmm. around other creative people and that was what sparked part of the podcast, really, to be able to speak to other creatives, see what they're doing, see what's what they're going through and keep going in a way, you know, yeah. that that we can't do on stage at the moment. So, no, it's, it has been good. Well, absolutely. We're so malleable. And I feel like so many of my peers and my colleagues and my friends, we've all had to pivot because ultimately we are creative beings and we need to have that intimacy, that interactivity and that collaboration. So I think it's great. This platform's fantastic. Yeah. Have you been doing anything? Have you been, have you done anything online? Have you been teaching or? Yeah. I I initially actually, Kerry, to start with, I was writing feverishly, like nonstop because I didn't actually know how long it would persist. So I thought this might be a couple of weeks, a couple, maybe a month. So I thought, let me use this time to strike while the iron's hot. But then as it continued on, I tried (laughs) to slow, tried to enjoy a bit of the stillness. And then I started teaching online, doing some Zoom classes and I haven't talked for years. So that was actually really nice to dive back in and be able to connect with students across the across the nation, really, because ultimately I'm often London-based, so I only really see that community. But but to be able to connect with kids up in, you know, Newcastle and Liverpool, all yeah. over, that was really cool. And yeah. I feel like Zoom provided that in a really, really uh, coherent way. Yeah, it does. I, I did as well. I've done a couple of little workshops online and it mm. is nice to suddenly be able to, 
do that and have the time to do that Absolutely. because not when we're all doing our thing and working you you just don't have that that blessing of time to you know just to, to give yourself an hour and, and chat to someone and talk about your experiences mm. so it has been it has been good for that um so take me back. I mean, I've obviously done a little bit of research about you and read <laughs> up a little bit because you know the like I say, I've been talking to people I know, and yeah. it's been it's been really nice just to have a chat. But I I had to read up a little bit, and uh, but I want to I want you to take me back to you know where it started for you. What mm-hmm. what inspired you? Were you were your family musical? Where mm-hmm. where did it come from? Okay, so let's go back, way back in time. <laughs> way back. <laughs> uh, I am one of four brothers, and we're actually all really creative. So there are two directors wow. and two actors. And my parents just <gasps> That's unusual. so strange. Yeah, I feel like... Are your parents creative then? My dad's a consultant. He's a consultant, wow. a management consultant. And my mom is... And my dad loves music. I think in another lifetime, had he not had four kids, maybe he would have pursued <laughs> something in that field. His vinyl collection is unrivaled, but... My mom used to act, and then when she had me, I was number three. She kind of wow. put poor hit pause, and then uh, yeah. she yeah, had a fourth kid, and is a fantastic mother. And now she's dipping her toe back into the pool, doing a little bit of commercial acting. But I guess is we kind she? of get it from her. Yeah. Um, Where are you in the in the in the order? Are you youngest, eldest? So I'm one of the middle, and funnily enough, the two middle. Uh, siblings, two brothers, were the ones who were like, look at me, we're actors, you know, let's, <laughs> let's step out of the limelight. But uh, and then the, the eldest and the youngest are behind the camera, so... Wow. Yes, have, have you done every, every, every... I do, I have an older brother. He's not at all creative. He works in... He works with... Um, with freshwater fish and he's like oh, okay. a consultant and it's completely different to me. Oh, yeah, but um, yeah. it, it's... I think siblings are interesting. Do you ever, have you ever done anything together? I mean, when you were little, maybe did you? When we were growing up, we used to go to, I guess, I guess maybe, I don't even know if you'd say like amateur dramatics, but it's a place called Chicken Shed Theatre Company. It's incredible, incredible yes. inclusive space in North London, which I, where I've grown up. And that taught me, that kind of actually allowed me to come out of my shell because I used to apparently be really shy. I don't have any recollection of this. <laughs> I used to hide behind people and kind of, not feel super comfortable being out and about but I joined Chicken Shed at the age of six and I was there for about 12 years and I'd go after school wow. and it was just the most incredible uh learning experience for me because I like sign language I learned how to communicate with people from all different walks of life different ethnicities wow. different backgrounds yeah and actually it skewed my perception of the industry because when I started working at 18 I assumed that that was kind of everyone's experience and they had an understanding of how to like collaborate and be inclusive and then I learned mm-hmm. the hard way. That's not mm-hmm. at all how it is, but yeah, we yeah. are, it's changing and I'm very hopeful, but I think Chicken Shed kind of was the best thing for me to do as a young, young performer and as someone who had that ambition of being in the arts. So that kind of was my way in. Um, I wanted to act from a young age. I wanted to be like the Lion yeah. King and all of that stuff, but... You had the passion. That's mm, good. Yeah, I think I found it quite young and it's always been kind of what I wanted to do. So I'm very grateful to not necessarily right this second be doing it, but still in pursuit of that. And I think that's what we have to enjoy, the journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I want to talk about, and Juliet, obviously, later, but um, what, did you train? Did you, did you, did you have a drama school in mind that you, you know, you had your heart set on? Just talk me through that. Yeah, well, I actually went to the London School of Economics and did a history degree. I so, saw, I read that. Yeah, like I, so, okay, Brother number one went to art school, Central St. Martins, and had an interesting experience. And I just feel like that was really cool to see him go through that. And then brother number two went to Central School of Speech and Drama. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, it's totally possible. But for me, 
I was such a geek. And I say that really proudly, like I love studying and I love... <laughs> Aren't we all though? We're I all kind it. of geeky yeah, in our own way. Absolutely. And I do celebrate it. And I was never embarrassed about that fact at school because I felt like I really liked doing well, if I could do well. So I always thought it was mm-hmm. like an opportunity to excel or, or try and put my best foot forward. So when I came to like uh, doing A-levels, I did five A-levels in my school. Like, oh, you must go to Oxbridge and do this. And I was like, I wow. actually want to dance and sing and act. And they, were, they weren't super supportive of that. No. Um. <laughs> well, the schools don't understand. I don't think they they don't have the information of, of where to go. I remember yes. with my the careers advice years ago, and they and I said, oh, I want to be on the stage. I want to sing and dance. And they, they panic almost because they don't mm. understand. They haven't got anything to give you. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not really very helpful for us, you know, but... Mm. It's a shame they don't have that information, really, because it, it could so. really help. It could actually also make it so much more accessible for a mm. huge sector of society who just don't think that it's within their remit. And I feel like that yeah. frustrates me. I was lucky because I had a sport family and I went to Chingashed and yes. I went to Royal Academy of Dance at around age 15, 16. That's when I started to take dance a bit more seriously. Um, wow. And then I was like, okay, how can I make this the career that I want it to be? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, just started going to open auditions and trying to be tenacious in that way. And I got through to the finals for when Spring Awakening was opening in London at the Lyric Hammersmith. Yes. And I think yes. one of the CDs, casting directors recommended me to an agent. And that's kind of how I kind of got on the radar of people and then got signed at 18. So I was really lucky. And I know that doesn't that's happen amazing. a lot. But, um, that's amazing. That's a great way in. I mean, I think if you've got passion and drive, you find your way. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, we all have a different route and, and that's kind of OK. And that makes us who we are. And it all happened for you quite quickly. You've done some incredible jobs and you've oh, worked at The you. Globe. You've worked at, uh, at the National Theatre. Yeah. You know, you've done these massive jobs already. I mean, have you, has there, what was first? What was the first big job? Right, right. So... I, I thank you so much for saying that. I mean, I admire your career so much. Tangent, I actually saw, the first time I saw you perform was, I think it was your Anthems tour. Oh, was and it? Oh my my friend Neve was your backup, one of your backing vocalists. <gasps> I love Neve. See, you know, I knew there would be a connection somewhere. Yes. And there it is. And, oh I, my and she's God. like, you have to come. I'm doing this. She's like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this singing at this show at Hampton Court. And I was like, Hampton Court, you don't even say anything. I'm like, history buff. Let's go. And then I rock yes. up and I'm like, Carrie Ellis, oh my God, I've heard so much about you. <laughs> ah. And I went and you just blew me away. And it was with Brian May as well. So it was like two legends. You guys were amazing. It was amazing that that tour. Neve was just gorgeous. Um, I, she was so brilliant. And I, I met her on a Radio 2 gig, actually. Oh, yeah. I think we did something for. Um, for Terry Wogan and she mm. was performing with Elio Pace and she was part of that band and that, that set up and, and I think we stole them basically yes. to take them on tour and she was absolutely amazing yeah so sorry yes no. go yeah um, the first one the first big no but first as in the, I guess the tangent to bring it back around was that was when I was like in my last year of school I think and and kind of deciding what I wanted to do. And Neve taught the soul band at the school, so she'd come in and would do like after school Amazing. sessions. And she was kind of encouraging me to pursue music and pursue my passion. And seeing her up there with you, I was like, oh my God, it's doable. So I love that. Yeah, I guess I started auditioning at 18 and then I did a big tour of a new show called Britain's Got Bhangra. And that was like six months on the road. I was so green, I was so young and just like learning everything on the job, <laughs> uh, making mistakes and not knowing that you could go off and all these things. So I just was like plowed through. Um, and then I did like adverts and I was kind of modeling for a bit. And then, and then I went to uni. So it was kind of like a slow start for the first few years. Mm. And then as I graduated, 
LSE, just kind of, and I did work throughout the time, like I did a tour, they were really accommodating and I did Romeo and Juliet on tour, I did the Globe season, but it wasn't until I finished my studies that I kind of really hit the ground running and I went straight to Kinky Boots and kind of never looked back. Um, so I guess Kinky Boots was probably the turning point in the sense of, I think I booked it at 22 and I was like, right, let's go, 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Um, never thought I'd do drag in my life, I'd never kind of anticipated that was it on my horizon but it was so fun working with jerry mitchell oh i mean he's great i've jumped over a lot like i did a tour of hairspray and that's how our paths first crossed but um yeah i think probably kinky boots was the first big first big one so it's amazing Mm -hmm. that you kind of you you were training did some work and then you went back and trained a bit more that probably i think that's almost better i mean i think i was too young to go to drama school when i did because Where you're did you not, go? Do you mind me asking? Well, I went to Lane Theatre Arts when I was 16. <sighs> oh, you full out. Okay. Of, oh, I was, I was a mover and a shaker. Yes. I was. Not now. <laughs> but I, I think you're almost... You don't have the life experience yet, so you don't use college to your advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't... You go to the classes you're good at, which is not mm-hmm. really great. You want to go to the classes you need more help in, you right. know, and I don't think I was quite ready. So that's a, that's a brilliant way in to have kind of gone out there and worked a bit and then gone back and, and trained oh, did you, you how did you did that uh, did that change your training the second time were you kind of one of the older ones or not really yeah at uni I was I was 20 when I enrolled and I know it sounds not even old but everyone goes straight away after school so they were all 18 at uni, yeah. and I'm yeah. like 20 and I've worked for two years and I was kind of like oh right I'm here actually to work so I wasn't partying yeah. and also I mean, I've grown up in London, so and I have older brothers, so I used to like work on the Mayfair scene at 15, 16. I kind of got all of that out of my system yeah, before yeah. I even turned 18. So by 20, I was like, I'm here to write my essay and then I need to run to Coventry and do a show. And then, you know, it was very much, I, I was trying to pretend to live my rock star life, but it was crazy in hindsight, <laughs> like writing essays. Trying to pretend, I really, like that. Really, truly, really, truly. Like I would be staying up till three writing an essay on Japanese imperialism. And then waking up to learn a monologue and do an audition. And I'm so lucky that Kinky Beats fell when it did because I literally graduate. I had to, I had to miss some rehearsals to go to my graduation. And I felt like that was the perfect thing. Like leaving the London School of Economics to play a drag queen. People were like, I don't understand why you came to this uni. Like, well, <laughs> like they couldn't, but I'm like, everything's connected, yeah. you know? Yeah, Everything yeah. is inextricably linked. And um, I'm really grateful, like you said, to have that time and really decide, is it the right thing I want to do? And it just really validated that acting is my core and like performing is my core so talk to me about kinky boots because uh, you know people will have obviously know the show and and know that it was a massive hit and you know there was a lot of excitement about it mm. how how was your audition process how did i mean how did you get the <laughs> yeah. call um i knew it was coming and i'd and i'd heard such amazing things about it being on in new york and billy Porter's has always been like an idol of mine growing up so i was like cool yeah I guess I can audition. Major was like, oh yeah, go in. I was like, but I don't think I'll be good for like one of the angels. Maybe I could just be like a factory worker or something. Not just, but be a factory worker. And not have to like uh, wear the heels and stuff. But because I know <laughs> Do the whole get up. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I can't even fathom that I compute that. But she was adamant. She was like, no, no, no. You have to go in for Lola, cover Lola and an angel. That's like what they're only seeing me for. I was like, okay. So I just went in and sang like a Jimmy Cliff song. Um, what did you sing? I sang Many Rivers to Cross. 
Mm. Like, I'm the worst person. My rep is so random. So I was like, okay, it goes high and it is, it is in my voice. So I'll sing it. That's good, though. I think to choose something that you're that, that drives you, I think is great. Because they must hear the same songs over right. and over. And to, I think taking your, your moment and singing something that you enjoy singing and you're going to get a you know, a kick out of, as opposed to trying to conform to something that is right or is, you know, slightly in the flavour of, I think, I think you're probably right to do that. Well, I think if you're saying it, it comes from the Oracle's mouth for sure, because (laughs) you, you've done tremendously. And I think that's, that's music to my ears because I always try and do that. Like you want to have fun. I remember Brian Cranston said on, I saw an interview of his where he's like, an audition is an opportunity to act for like five, 10 minutes. And the same with like a musical theatre, when you're performing a song, not only are you trying to act through that song and hit all the notes and show off your ability, but you want to show an essence of who you are and show, hey, I enjoy yeah. this. this. I don't yes. want to be pent up tense. Like, this is what I love and I yes. want to see that. I love that. I love that. Because auditions can be stressful enough, you know, they can be. Absolutely. So, and, and if you let it, the nerves and the, the pressure and the the occasion take over you, you know, you, before you know it, you've come out and gone, oh, yeah. what, what was I doing? I I've missed. But if you go in and have a have, have fun with the song you like, I think mm-hmm. that's so key. Yeah, sorry. So the audition no, process. And it is easier said than done. But yeah, I, I guess I went in and sang that song. And it was Jill Green's office who were fantastic. And um, Jerry was so affable and warm. Oh, he's he lovely. Like, oh, he was like, yes, and just living life. <laughs> and I uh, left the audition and Jill came straight out and was like, here's the Lola pack, go home, learn as much as you can. We'll re-. They're just so honest and upfront mm-hmm. and they tell you then and there, which I so respect. So a couple, yeah, we had a, I think it was a dance round. We did material the next round. I just felt really comfortable like I was playing. Um, I never really like had sung in that way in front of people as well. Like you grew up like singing along to divas in the shower and stuff, but being able to embody one and sing mm. like "Hold Me in Your Heart" and all of that have that kind of Whitney, Tony Braxton vibe. I was there like, what? But Kerry, hilariously, I'd never worn a pair of heels. So I'm a size 12 men's. <laughs> oh my God. So I could, I, I scoured all of London to try and find some heels for this dance audition. And when I tell you, I couldn't, I literally couldn't find any, anything. So I went on Amazon and I ordered a pair. So I didn't think much of it. When they arrived, six inch stilettos, not even like, <gasps> oh my God. not even a wedge or an actual heel. Yeah. Stiletto. I put oh them on and my ankles go to the side. <gasps> Like, and it could be dangerous could if you fall so off dangerous. that. You could de- you could you could break your ankle. Literally. It's so dangerous. So I take them to the audition. This is maybe like round three. I can't remember off the top of my head. And the associate choreography, Rusty, who I adore, like, I love him. He's still in my life. Um, I put them on, and he starts teaching the combo, and he's like, Mm-mm, "Honey, no." I'm like, "What is it? You can't wear." It. He's like, "You can't you can't wear those." He's like, "You will mash yourself up." So he's like, "Take them break off and foot. just learn the the steps." So mm-hmm. I put back on my like comfy trainers. And all the other boys are going to be like, oh. But I do the whole, like, <laughs> session. And in my mind, I'm like, cool. And they don't really say anything. And then we got recalled. And I think we did, like, a work session. And then I finally get to the finals. And there's, like, 30 gorgeous, or maybe even 40 gorgeous, uh, like, 5'9 to 6'2 men all up for the angels. And I was the one person who wasn't in heels. Because I still only had that pair. And they're like, Aaron, you can't wear them. You can sing yeah, in them. Yeah. Like, you can stand and sing in them. But you can't move in them. Um... So I did the whole audition process in my trainers, booked a job, not knowing if I could dance in heels. And that was a steep hill to climb when it came to rehearsals. But um, yeah, yeah, it was fun. (laughs) Wow. So talk to me about rehearsals, because I guess in that, not only being learning to 
to do the heels and to dance in the heels and move in the heels and then to suddenly what's the first transformation like when you put the whole <laughs> you get your costume fit in you put how is that it was out of body I guess it was kind of otherworldly <laughs> because also I my experience of drag was is very much like through the British lens I'm like kind of the drag stand-up comedy humor essence vibe yeah, so yeah yeah I and I've seen Paris is Burning when I was younger um and really understood like about ballroom culture but I didn't know like where the American drag world kind of exists and pulls from both of those mm -hmm. so I started watching RuPaul's research completely fed up it's amazing <laughs> but at the time I was like I don't get it like what's this show like is it about cars like drag race like what yeah, like yeah. my mate's like you're really come on now you like, haven't lived <laughs> and then I was like okay cool but it took me a hot minute like I was initially painting my face with actual white paint and I mean, I'm I'm dual heritage, but like that's not that's just not a thing. Like my highlights could be like a light brown or like a honey, or whatever. But I just didn't know. And you yeah. know, you learn. But I had some really supportive people. Luke Jackson was like my took me under his wing, and we sat next to each other in the dressing room, and he really guided me through to how to like paint a face. And yeah, and I, are you gu are you guided? It's like you know, I, I guess it it's like with with any show when you're playing some something so far or so different mm. to what your everyday is you know like for me putting on the green makeup right, or doing the cat's course. makeup you know something quite extreme were you were you um like we had a makeup specialist come in and show us how yeah. to do it how, how how did that work so yeah so we, it was the first london cast so they were also figuring out themselves so we had a great um wham team wigs hair and makeup team but they were also it was kind of their first foray into drag uh makeup for the stage which is completely different right. in and of itself to a painting a fishy face for screen or yeah. magazine so they were really navigating that in a way that was kind of uncharted terrain and we all made mistakes together so during tech one day I looked great and the next day I looked terrible and then as a brown mm. boy we, I didn't have tights for the first week and a half of tech and then when they arrived they only had black ones like actual black tights that you'd wear to go to oh, school no. and then gray ones arrived and and it was just really hard because oh, no. finding hues and shades that but I don't know any better and I've never worn a wig before as well. So it's kind of like making sure I don't have a skin face and my wig doesn't slide off. And yeah, it was just yeah. so much all at once, but I didn't know anything else. So I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Just chuck myself in the deep end. But we did have a, like a makeup session, uh, one day rehearsal when the other half of the class were rehearsing some of the material. We got aside, like set aside one of the studios, put up all mirrors, little like stations and the team kind of just like tried to help us learn how to like glue down our eyebrows and yeah, it was, yeah. that's a whole skill isn't it a that's skill. a massive thing to do yeah now you can now you can do now full drag like, oh, no now, problem now full drag 15 minute face you know blend is your friend 15 minute face yeah, i love that it's true and the heels did you get on you you did all right with the heels I then you kind of yeah. nailed it I, felt, I, can, I can literally i'm a runner and i can run in heels no joke and i learned oh, that the wow. hard way when i was spending a penny once and i just heard like that I definitely need to be side stage. I was like, whoop, tuck, whoop, bush, bleh, skirt, bleh, and I ran down the side of the Adelphi and the, like literally my 6'2 frame was like dashing in heels. And then I was like, oh damn, I can run in heels. Oh good, I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually haven't worn a pair since I left the show, so I don't want to get too cocky. 
We'll be right back with Aaron in just a moment. But if you are enjoying the episode today, make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a review. We love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. I'm loving doing it. So I like to hear your feedback. And also we've got a whole season one if you've missed it. So catch up on that too. There's lots of great guests and great chats. Also, if you do want to catch up on our little Keep Calm and Carry On merchandise, I do have a little pin on my website and my album, kerryellis.com. You can check that out. And please hit subscribe and review. We love hearing what you have to say about the podcast and all your lovely comments. We love it. So make sure you hit subscribe. Okay, back to Aaron. I want to talk to you about the Royals first. Oh, yeah. That was fun. So talk, yeah. I mean, was... I mean, was was theatre uh, uh, an avenue you were you were going down, or were you, or was it TV, or was it you were just open to anything? What? How did that happen? That's a really good question, and something I've been thinking about during this lockdown, actually. Because if I'm really honest, my first love was music, and I was like, I want to be a pop star, and then it was film, and I felt like yeah. theatre kind of marries those two, even though it's very different as a medium. Mm. But Jessica Chastain is like a big inspiration, and she always says that. Uh, Actually, you don't change the way you act. Your uh, player, your scene partner just changes. So for screen, it's the camera. And for theatre, it's the audience member at the back of the stools. That's brilliant. I I love that. Yes, that's so true. So I just see them as being two halves of the same coin. I think in Mm. this country, and I'm sure you can build on this because you've had a very, very storied, illustrious career. But I feel like in this country it's quite separate for some reason but in America our colleagues they can just flip between like a lot of my peers there be like oh Aaron I'm on set and actually now I'm going in for this broader show but and here Mm. it's like oh you're a musical theatre actor I'm like no no no, I'm an actor you can do musical theatre I feel exactly the same I think there's just seems to be a closed mind Mm. set over here and it it, like you say I I think that's so brilliant about they're all the same. It's just you know your your colleagues, your the, your your co-stars change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant because I think we're actors. We can act whether it's on stage, it's on film, it's it, it's singing. It's all a performance type Absolutely. of thing. So yes, I've, I don't, you know, don't get me wrong. There are different skills involved, and TV of is very course. different to theatre. But I do think essentially it's we're telling stories and we're we're being other people and we're you know embodying other other characters yeah. that it's for me it's the same yeah. and you're you're right you know it, when I was in America it there was a more of an open-mindedness of oh come and come and read for this morning television show or yes. come and I come and you sing. would be so good on screen I'm oh. sure you've done lots but I feel like oh, so thanks <laughs> but um but I haven't done anything like a series or anything like, you know. So so the Royals, was this the first TV kind of, was this the first thing for you? Yeah, I'd been, I'd done bits when I was a kid and I was like, oh, mum, I really like this. She was like, no, stay in school. I was like, no. <laughs> but I respect her for that, I do. And um, yeah. so it was probably my first job as an adult. And it was only like two two days filming, but it was so much yeah. fun. Like I had a scene with Liz Hurley, who's obviously a British icon. And it's just so like... English Rose and it's just funny and lovely and um the director actually had been a series director on One Tree Hill which is a show I grew up loving love One Tree Hill so good so he was like we were chatting about that and I was just like this is so crazy like and he was so bewildered that I was just like this little guy on set who was obsessed with One Tree Hill so I think that kind of made him be like oh yeah okay I'm quite good you know um but I love all the the cogs that turn on set because it's just 
a little different to me. Like, I'm sure we step into a theatre space and we love it. You know, it's our yeah, yeah. blood, sweat, and tears. I adore it. But I also understand the machine and the mechanics of, like, I, I will go to the, meet the follow spot when we're touring venues so I can just yeah. get to know them. I will look at the sound so desk and I will, like, hear the sound because I'm really mm. into my music. So I want to know, like, what the speakers are like. We're so sport and Juliet is unbelievable. But, um, with sets, I'm like, everything's so new. So like I've been shooting some commercials during this time and stuff. And just, I'm always like talking to the runners and the production assistants and like, just like watching everything because it's, it's like I'm on another planet in a way. And I want that to become also norm. My norm. Yeah. 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 Did you get, I mean, if you dabbled in it as a child, did you then, did, I mean, if I, if, if I walk on a TV set, I mean, I, I haven't done much, um, like, acting as such on TV. I have done a lot of morning television mm, and mm. performances, which, is a, which, again, is a different thing. That's but hard, because you yourself... It would make me really nervous to go suddenly on a... If I was on a sitcom or something, because it would be different. You would thrive get, on a sitcom. Did, you would did be you, great. Did you get nervous? Did you get any... Did you just go in and go, I've got this, I'm going to just do like, it? I need to just make sure that... I'm on the level of the show because they all have yeah. their different energy. So the Royals is yeah. actually quite a nice seg from theatre because it's quite stylized and dramatic and camp in a really good way um, and very E in that sense. But then the, the week after I was shooting a BBC drama and yeah, yeah. I had quite a lot of lines opposite a really amazing actress and she was like talking like this, like very just like she had a body mic on it, which I didn't even know was a thing, like underneath the cloth. And she was just so gentle and, and like almost whispering it. And there's me like being like, okay, I need to adapt. So I could be, I could be like, <laughs> what do you mean? I need to be like, what do you mean? And that was like news to me. Like we did, I didn't realize that was going to be a thing because on the Royals, that, that world is very different to the world of press yeah. and that BBC drama. Um, and I was like, oh, and I guess it's like, it's, it's very much like a theater, theater as well. But you might do Wicked and then you might do some Brecht, right? Mm, and mm. Uh, maybe that's not the best example, but like... I know, yeah. You know what I mean, I like, it's just going to be different, and you you understand that the cadence and the energy, the rhythm. But I just want to do it more. It's so infectious. I love it. I love that. I love that you just adapt to the situation. I think that's what that's kind of what drives a lot of us. I think because mm-hmm. it's always new. We're always chasing that adrenaline. We're chasing the 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 new challenge. Whatever's you know something yeah. that's going to put us out of our comfort zone. Um, Wait, I want to ask get... you. I want to ask you. So, because obviously, <laughs> I, what I love about sitcoms is that they're filmed live, right, in front of live audiences. Mm. So, actually, I feel like that'd be something that you'd be excellent at because you're used uh. to that rapport of the audience. What would be like a dream, not the dream, but a dream kind of sitcom scenario or role? If someone was like, you know what, Kerry, shooting January 2021, we want you as the series lead, and the story is about ellipses. You know what? I'd love to do like a British friends. I mean, I know they've done, I know they've done it in the past, but for me, I think now I'm a bit older. I think for me, it's all about the other people. And as much as I've done, you know, big leads in the West end and done show Mm. leads, I, for me, it's about interacting with other people. So Mm. to be in a kind of relaxed, you know, sitting in the coffee shop with lots of friends and just chatting. And that would be the ideal for me. Cause I, I, I think I'm at my best when I'm bouncing off other people. Okay. And it's amazing how, you know, different actors can bring different things from you. And I just think when you've got great people to work off, they just give you an, a magic and a boost. So it's maybe something like that. I like that. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. <laughs> hey, but I think okay, well, I put it about. right back at you. What, what would, what would oh. be your ideal? 
in terms of a sitcom, not dissimilar. I think it would be something with a lot of interplay. Oh, maybe, maybe like set in a primary school and about like teachers or something or, cool. or something. I don't know. I'm writing a lot at the moment and, and there, uh, that's been really cathartic. And But I'm writing that's more good. like uh, dramedy, like comedy drama, but a sitcom, I don't know. Or maybe like a reboot of Fresh Prince, but through like a London oh. lens, like, I don't know. The... I love the Fresh Prince. Oh my God. It takes me back. It really does. So, what, so what are you writing? Talk to us about that. What you, what's... Yeah, um, well, I've been writing for a while, for a couple of years, but I've taken it a lot more seriously and I feel like now getting some traction with a couple of projects. So I'm writing a theatre idea, which feels a little bit, not frustrating, but it's just like not knowing really what's happening with it in terms of like us, yeah. the landscape. But it's I'm still hitting the ground running, but I'm also writing a project for screen and got some cool interest and in just kind of navigating that because it's all new news to me, but that's very much uh, based on my life and my journey as, as like a biracial, bisexual. So that's, that's uh, something that is, yeah, kind of has kind of provided me some solace and some sanctuary during this time because wow. I've been able to kind of live in the imagine, imaginary world on the page if I need to escape from, like, the harsh realities of what's happening or have That's amazing. I want you to write that. I'm sorry. I want to watch it. Yay. I'm like, I'm excited. This is good. This is exciting. And it's brilliant that you're using this time, you know. I, I think, for me, it was really important to, to not come out of lockdown and to not have achieved anything. Yes. And And, yes, we've all had to stop and spend some time and you know, just be be basic, be simple, go for a walk, you know, spend some time with with your bubble, with your close yes. people. And and that's been amazing. But to come out and, and have achieved something and being creative in, in a way that we're not used to, I mm-hmm. think is really important. So that's amazing that you're Thank doing you. that. I can't wait. That's I will look out for that hey. when it comes. Are you um, writing music? Are you writing anything? Is that... A bit. I mean, I've been collaborating. Yes. Um uh, before we went into lockdown, I was I was working on a um, an originals album with lots of different writers, nice. and I was in the studio with Brian. So hopefully we'll get back soon. Yes. But um, yeah, it's just you know it's it's hard, isn't it? Because because people are dealing with it differently as well. Mm-hmm. So some people are kind of okay to go and get in the studio. Some people right. aren't. You know, so you have to kind of respect people's absolutely. Um, and you can't rush greatness. And I think you you, you don't know what this year will have done to inform the way then you approach the project. So you might find like there's a, a beautiful synergy in like the contrast of the, the songs pre and the songs like post this moment. Yeah. And not, the art will be forever changed by that, which is going to be really great. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think we're all a bit kind of chameleon-esque and we, Absolutely. we change and adapt and move with, I mean, before we didn't even have technology. When I, we didn't have Twitter and social media when I started out, and suddenly that kind of has kept us going through yeah. through um, through this time. Um, talk to me about your music then, because you know you talk about music it being a big yeah. influence in your life, and you, I feel like I feel a similarity between us that we enjoy lots of different things and mm-hmm. for me there's never one journey it's always mm-hmm. I love doing voiceovers and albums and shows and I've sensed that from you and yes. I talk to me about your music are well, you, you writing are you yeah. are you what's going on you show that it's totally possible though like having albums you've had albums charting you've been touring just for your music you've been touring for the musicals like and it's all connected and I think the more mm. that we celebrate that the more we see it to be possible like, I'd put you up there with, like, the Shoshanas and the Cynthias who just straddle oh, all of that. Oh, I love Shoshana. And I think 
we need to be taught that you don't, you can totally focus. I have such respect for someone who's like, yes, I'm actually only a dramatic actor or yeah, I only want to do musicals, but also you can see the fluidity between them all. So I think mm. for me, I love music. And like I said, it's my first passion, I guess, first love. I didn't write, I've always written lyrics, but I didn't really write for myself for a long time. And then in lockdown, I started to again. And I just did a writing camp last week with um, did you? a producer and a writer in LA, which was amazing and so That's much cool. fun. So All online, all I guess, online, all over Zoom. Yeah, all over Zoom. Uh, so we would like sit and write a track for an hour or two or three hours and just talk and have little sessions. And then they'd send me like an instrumental, then I'd send a little demo. And like, because of the time difference, I'd record it, then they'd wake up and hear it in the morning and then we'd like deconstruct cool. it. It was so fun. And yeah, we're slowly working on some stuff. So, and I think I was really bolstered to link it to and Juliet, obviously working with Max Martin and his team of amazing collaborators and uh, just geniuses that really emboldened me to kind of pursue my, my ultimate passion of music. So, and like, it's all connected. It all will inform me as mm. an actor, like the, the fact that I'm writing these things is freeing up my mind then to be able to process things that have happened and be like, okay, cool. How can I also access that? And then maybe it will come back around in my art and the way that I approach a scene. What would be the dream then? What if you could like do anything? What would what would you do? I mean, I know you want to do a bit of everything, but if yeah. like if your child, you know, we look at kind of six, seven year old Aaron, what would he be dreaming? Where would he be saying? You know, where would he be thinking? Where he would be? His dream would be his dream was to be like a pop star who then can mm. like pivot and do films. Mm. I guess like a Jamie Fox kind of vibe. I love Stanley Tucci. He's one of my favorite actors. Mm. And he does has had such like a great career. But I think Jamie Foxx does it really well. As long as something satisfies me creatively and something obviously earns me money so I can afford like so the financial satisfaction and the creative satisfaction, they might be the same thing, but they might be two different things. Like right now, funnily enough, acting has been like my financial as well mm-hmm. as my love satisfaction. But then I just write no for no one else, but just for myself. And that's creatively kind of satiates my soul. So I feel like that might that might flip on its head next year I might be like oh actually you know what it's music and the acting mm. is creatively satisfying me but it kind of fluctuates from job to job and Juliet was a weird anomaly where it kind of satisfied both of those boxes because it straddled those two worlds but um yeah I think that probably... so, well let's talk about that I mean I mean and Juliet I know everybody will have heard of they'll definitely have heard of the music um right. which was the big drive behind the show I mean I remember seeing uh, I remember Ollie Thompson was yeah. workshopping this this show, and I was like, "Oh, what's this all about?" And he, you know, he was, he was like posting sni- uh, clips of him singing all these famous songs that we all knew, and then he's dressed up as Shakespeare, and I'm like, "What is this? What is going on? You know, what is this thing?" And then you started to hear the um, it must have been the EPK, but it was just the music, mm-hmm. and and banging out all these tunes that we know and we love. And then this musical was coming, but you didn't really know anything about it. There right. was it was a great PR stunt, if it was a stunt, because it got everybody's interest. But talk to me about your journey into the show, because you've got a really interesting um, character. Mm, and you. talk to me about about the um, the rehearsal period first. Yeah. I mean, what what was that like? Because it's a brand new show. Brand Nobody new. knew anything about it, which is exciting. Yes, um, and to be on a, on a brand new show. I felt so Another lucky. Another show for you. <laughs> so lucky because I think for, for me, like, I hadn't done an original musical uh, since 20... My first job, since 2010. And um, 
doing a Juliet or even being sent the script to read and do like a reading back in 2017. And it was like me, Mel Barry, and like an array of amazing actors. And we just kind of got in a room and read it with uh, the director, Luke Shepard. And I didn't know anything about the project. I just knew it was like top secret. And I get it. And I just see music based on the music by Max Martin. And I lost it. I was like, Luke, what? Like the Max Martin, like <laughs> the guy I grew up loving because he's just makes yeah. hit after hit after hit in the soundtrack to yeah. my life and continues to. And Luke was like, yeah. And like no one else knew who he was. Not to, that's not an issue. Max is fantastic at being the most successful, like anonymous creator, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I was shook. We read it and it was so good. And every song was so good. And the way that it had been woven into the tapestry of the story by David West yeah. the writer, I just was like, this is dope. Whoever does it, wherever it happens, because at this point they weren't sure if they're going to open it in America or England. I was like, whoever does it, they're just lucky. Like, this is a piece. This is a gift of, yeah, the, of yeah. a show. And then we did like an, a chilled kind of workshop in 2018. And then like there was the informal, no, the formal audition process throughout the rest of that year. And then by 2019, they'd locked the cast and that's when we did like a five-week workshop. That's when we had the gorgeous Ollie on board as mm-hmm. Shakespeare who just like elevated it so wonderfully on the script <laughs> off the page. He could sing a he bit. Can sing. <laughs> and when I'm saying, because they, they like you, they, obviously, you know, they sit, they sit you in rehearsals, they sit you in your um, vocal parts. So I'm yeah. sat next to him, just like, oh my God. And <laughs> next to him and Jordan Engage, who are like these unreal vocalists. And they're like, Aww. just whistling away, like, right, I don't know how I'm here, but I am. Doop, doop, doop. <laughs> and, um, and me and Ollie are just like learning all the tenor parts just for fun, just because they're such sick harmonies. Yeah. And knowing that we won't, as our characters, sing in the songs of all of them, but that was a blast because we played Carrie. It's new, so we're really playing mm. and shaping and making mistakes and learning and it was the most collaborative experience and that stems from the director Luke who just really values everybody's opinion in the room Mm. from the ASM to the lead actress from the head of wigs uh, to the head of wardrobe he just really is so constructive and it was so beautiful being being privy to all of that and realizing that something beautiful can be born from listening to everyone you know yeah I remember actually Ollie came in I was doing um a podcast an acting up podcast actually a while ago and he I think he was in the workshop of it at the time and it was new obviously to him and he was like yeah I'm not really sure what's gonna yeah. happen but we're having a lot of fun it's great you know we come see you know that kind of thing and then obviously to see it be such a you know big hit when it you know eventually came out was it was amazing mm. um Talk to me about your character mm-hmm. in this show, though, because um, it's unusual. It's probably the first of its kind exactly. and a, a bit of a groundbreaking moment. So t- talk to me about it. Yeah. Um, so, and Juliet retells the story of Romeo and Juliet, and it reimagines if Juliet doesn't kill herself at the end and kind of lives to reclaim her own narrative, her own story. Which is brilliant. Which is fantastic. <laughs> and also this idea, just disclaimer, like this idea was pitched to the team and the producers like years ago, like it's been in development mm-hmm. for years. So the writer just wanted to write like an authentic, empowering story, not to kind of satisfy or tick any boxes, but just to kind of question what if Juliet lives on. And part of that, an extension of that was what if she lives on and also has her own like Ben Verdi and her own um, mm-hmm. kind of crew and friends. And it puts the nurse who's in Romeo and Juliet kind of at the center of her own love's narrative and, um, it reimagines a lot, but I played the role of May, who's Juliet's best friend. And what was so beautiful about that, and is so beautiful about that, will always be beautiful, is that May's a gender fluid character, which mm. 
is there's so many layers to it, which is an ode to Shakespeare and the kind of fluidity of gender in and of itself back then, but it's also so representative of where we're moving as society now and, and you know, the next wave. And obviously there's a lot of gender fluidity within a lot of people anyway, but I, I teach like young kids who are so open and expressive to seeing gender mm. as a construct and understanding computing that we don't live in this binary state and we don't need to live in this binary state. And yes, we're lucky we live in England and it's more progressive than maybe other parts of the world. But I think what May is able to do is be an emblem of hope in the future and, and just love, loving yourself. And that's what May's journey is throughout the show is learning to kind of accept themselves and love themselves. And hopefully by that self-love, they're able to then love others. And it's, it's really gorgeous. Like when I first read it, I, was, I just thought, Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, wow. arc to have in a mainstream musical, and I've never seen it really before. So yeah, it's amazing. I think you know. Again, it's 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 been something new on so many levels. The show, and I think it's it's fantastic. And I hope it comes back bigger and stronger along with the other shows. I, I mean, you guys were kind of into your contract. You, will you go back if it opens? So we were six months. Yeah, six months in. Yeah. Um, th- so it, w- it would definitely be back in uh, a fantastic capacity when it is safe to do so. I, that much I know to be yeah. true. Unfortunately, as it stands, my contract finishes in October, and just because of other commitments, I oh. haven't been able to extend. Uh, who knows what's going to happen next year, and who knows what will happen with the other commitments? Maybe they might shift, or maybe things will fit into place beautifully. But right now, uh, it's weird. Like I've. I've this is actually an exclusive to you, but this is, um, <laughs> I've, I've, um, yeah, played my last show as it stands. Oh, and that's really weird. And, and only me and one other girl, because she's going into Frozen, and that's been announced, mm-hmm. I can say, um, are not returning. So it's a bit like, ah! oh, oh, well, that's quite sad, though, isn't it? Because you, the, you haven't had that closure. You haven't had that, mm-hmm. that time to play your last few shows and right. have that goodbye you know that's tough that's really hard I mean it's happened to lots of people lots on lots of, of shows people. but I think that's kind of the commonality and sharing that experience maybe makes it easier to compute or digest in some way but yeah that everybody's gone through know, the we're same, kind of yeah. not all in this together but there is that camaraderie and, and we support oh, we are other. definitely yeah and there is a there is a support there has been a real community uh, of support because we're all in it you know no, yeah. we, nobody knows what's going to happen nobody knows what has happened yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's it's good um i mean i could talk to you forever because you've <laughs> got so many amazing stories but um a couple of little things before i let you go has, has there been a highlight so far, far a moment that's kind of stands out that's you know been really important to you Ooh. i'm sure there's many but is there one that one that stands out there might be two there might be Oh no, the, probably the one most recent that's come to, that did come to my mind first is that, so I met Billy Porter five years ago in, in New York in 2015 mm. and he kind of took me under his wing and has kind of been my mentor, my fairy, godfather, mother, everything in a lot of ways. I love And that. he actually got to see Anne Juliet right before lockdown because he was over filming Cinderella actually, ironically, um, as the fairy godmother. Um so he got to see like everything full circle because he saw me right before I did Dragon Kinky Boots and kind of helped me through that moment or met me then rather and then has kind of seen how I've grown as a performer, grown as a person and I'm able to kind of originate something that wouldn't exist without his legacy and without so many people like him kind of I stand very much on his shoulders and and those that have come before me who've opened the door for queer performers and for queer narratives so 
that was really beautiful. And he, he said some really wonderful things that kind of was like, oh, this is, we do it to pay it forward and to be able to yeah, illuminate yeah. and celebrate. So yeah, maybe that. Amazing. Oh, amazing. And I guess the other end of the spectrum is that has there been a really dark time, a low moment that, you know, resonates with you? Oh, probably many. I, uh, <laughs> I'm a very positive, optimistic person, but I, I feel really intensely. But I remember being 18 on my first tour. I got to some digs in, in Oxford, actually, and I felt so, like, alone, and I was really run down. Yeah. Um, and my the, the digs lady, so digs is where you stay, like, when people put their houses up, like, as you know, but I don't know. I mean, all your listeners will know because I'm sure they're, like, amazing, beautiful, happy. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good to, it's good to explain. <laughs> but digs are, like, kind of Airbnb for theatre, and they've been going forever. That's exactly what they are. And, um, <laughs> I found this place, and I stayed there, and the lady, when I walked in, like, she had a plethora of mm, naughty medicine, let's say, on her table, that she was sorting through with a credit card. And I'm such a green person anyway. So I was like, oh my God, what is this? She's like, we'd let, I was like, no, nah, thank you. I'm just going to go upstairs in the toy room. <laughs> and the whole week I was on edge. And I, I just think like that tension then affected my performance. And it just yeah. wasn't a nice time. And I really learned that I have to, now had I done that, you know, being being older, I would have just been like, I can't stay here. Because yeah, like, yeah. Your know, environment and your mental health and your your sanctuary within is just as important, and it really informs how you conduct yourself. Oh, it's huge! It has a massive impact. I mean, I remember having a, a t- quite a tough time when I was in New York because mm-hmm. I was so exhausted, and the the apartment that or the apartment block opposite me was being bulldozed down. So I just didn't sleep, and they were starting really early in the morning for no. some reason, and I just didn't sleep for like six months. And it what? really it impact. I know because the, the whole time I was on Broadway, this this thing was being bulldozed down, and I, it. And you're still I, serving I didn't vocals realize, on no sleep. I can't. Well, <laughs> not great. I mean, it did impact me massively, and it. I you don't you don't realize at the time because you just. I think as performers, as actors, we just we get on with it. We right. just kind of put up and shut up a lot of the time and and sometimes you need to speak up and you need to say actually this isn't working for me I can't let Aaron go before asking him my final question that I ask all my lovely guests if you could look back on your 20 year old self and give yourself a piece of advice that you've been given or you would give yourself what would it be of how to keep calm and carry on and carry on well I feel like <laughs> that in and of itself is so (laughs) symbolic of what I would say. It is, there is room for everyone. Also, this is horrible, but also the reality, like the older you get, the less people there are because, you know, life life gets hard. So people are like, you know what? I love it, but I will pursue other avenues or I will do this or I will find another passion. So you can act at any age, like you can perform at any age. You might not be able to, like, I... I have to be so warm to jump into splits now. It's a struggle. <laughs> like, seriously, like, I've been going to various classes and, like, that's the one time after a class I can actually, like, sit in splits because if I wake up in the morning, I am stiff and that's when I'm like, oh. okay, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> but that being said, like, it does get better and it does get easier. And I think I used to be so impatient. Like, I need this, mm. well, I need this validation. I need to be working, I need to be doing this thing. But it comes, like, if you're focused and you stick with it, it will come. And I'd say that to myself, like, I really and truly would, because I believe it now, finally. 
Aaron, that's wonderful. What a perfect way to finish our episode. Thank you so, so much. I hope we do get to do something together yes. in the future um, when we're out there and lockdown is finished. And we'll do that sitcom. We actually, I'd love to, yeah. Hey. You can write it. Yes. <laughs> all the best with all your writing and, and everything you. that comes after, you know, this crazy time. And um, thank you for sharing your time. It's wonderful to talk to you. And, yeah, see you soon. Stay thank safe. You. Bye. Well, that's it for another week from me. Whatever you're doing, have an amazing rest of your week. Uh, Thank you to Aaron, what a joyous guest he was. Thank you to my lovely producer, Martin, for doing such a great job. And, of course, thank you for listening. Please tell your friends, share the podcast, because we want lots of people to hear it too. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.